what we make of it. Shotgun wedding. Sometimes a first date requires paperwork. A Good Omens Fic, written by Charlotte Madison and read by Literarian. Chapter 2 Adam smiled as if all the world were his, and Crowley liked it. Their egg sandwiches arrived at the Pasheo table just as an early adopter leaf, the disruptive trendsetter type, ditched its tree to settle exactly on the rim of Adam's mug of cocoa. His eyes lit up. Is this a sign, you think? You probably summoned it. Crowley shrugged. Must be your latent superpowers manifesting. It's a first day leave. I'm keeping it. Adam rummaged in his backpack for the right binder and slipped the maple leaf inside. It was still bright green. The weather wouldn't turn crisp for a while yet. Eat your thing, Crowley grumped as he tackled his cold brew. You're not mad schools here. Could stay summer forever, far as I'm concerned. It's too early for humans. Can't stay summer forever, Adam said. You know that. He took a huge bite of sandwich and squirted egg yolk across the table. The kid had tremendous confidence and composure for fourteen. He'd been through a lot, but it had tempered him with compassion. His mischievous streak was deepening into a ready wit and a keen sense of justice. His creativity knew no bounds, and while he applied some of it to school, he saved more of it for his own whimsical pursuits. Crowley admired how openly Adam liked what he liked and knew what he needed and didn't hesitate to ask the world for it. And the world often obliged. The kid had charisma. Adam's crew followed him around, expecting him to direct their days, though they also watched over him. Teachers got on well with him, unless they were capricious or cruel, in which case he made their lives difficult, with Crowley's blessing. He'd gone steady with other students a couple times, a bit of middle school hand-holding and so on, sometimes boys, sometimes girls, but nothing serious yet. In other words, a damn near-perfect nephew. But that only made things worse. Truth be told, high school terrified Crowley. He bit his nails these days, yelled at the plants, threatened aloud to Google crate training for teenagers. He worried he'd fucked the kid up since he'd been given sole custody. He worried he couldn't fix the pre-getting custody fuck-ups, the ones that came courtesy of the bio-parents. He worried about the doctors fucking up, worried about the meds fucking up. And as age 18 marched ever closer, he worried that Adam was getting old enough to engineer some fuck-uppery on his own. 
but mostly Crowley worried about the awful lot of alone time he'd be facing once Adam was out the door. Four short years. Four very fast, extremely short years. He should really make some friends. Find a knitting circle or something. The hell had he even done to pass the time before Adam? Not much that mattered, that was certain. Crowley glared at his nephew and slurped his gargantuan iced coffee in an obnoxious bid for attention. Adam gamely ignored him and texted his friends. It was even odds which of them was more mature. Actually, it was pretty plain. So, you're gonna give him hell today, or what? asked Crowley. Early for that, don't you think? Adam said, around a mouthful of avocado and sriracha. Well, if any of the teachers give you shit, don't hesitate. They seemed fine at the meeting. I like the drawing teacher. The staff had seemed all right, mostly, especially handsome Mr. Fell for English and mysterious Mistress Device in the art studio. She had complimented the illustrations Adam showed her on his phone. She'd also explained that she was familiar with his medical conditions through her own extended family. The others had been more anxious about the prospect of seizures and sleeping fits, but the para-educators and counsellors and school nurses all seemed competent. Hopefully this would be the first year free of serious incidents at school. Crowley pushed away his barely-pecked-at breakfast. I'll be off work early enough to walk you home after today, but the rest of the week you're with Brian. You can go to his or come to ours, whatever, just text when you get home. With an unreadable expression, Adam wordlessly set to work on the untouched half of his uncle's sandwich. Crowley wondered how much the boy minded not being allowed to walk home alone. He couldn't even just be home alone. It had to be wearing on him, and it would only get worse. This was the age when alone time mattered, and the poor kid couldn't have any. Not really. Meanwhile, Crowley was approaching the age at which alone felt like a life sentence. I got it, no worries. You're gonna finish that? asked Adam. Nah, bottomless pit, aren't we? Crowley waved away the rest of his breakfast. His stomach was too overwrought for food. And it was too goddamn early. Growing teens, got eight. Brian's taller than you now, I think. A likely story. Crowley scoffed as he pushed back his chair. Oh, destroyer of breakfasts, devourer of eggs, let's get a move on. Can we come here every morning? Adam wiped the egg yolk off the table and bust the dishes without being asked. Mondays only. It's Wednesday. First school day of the week. Next week's Monday. Crowley shouldered Adam's heavy backpack for him 
dimly aware that he probably wouldn't be allowed to for much longer. Egg sandwiches can be our reward for being up at this infernal hour. I still have ninety minutes to kill before work. You see what you're doing to my beauty sleep? You'd have to sleep for a century, <laughs> laughed Adam. You would know, Rip van Winkel. It amounts to torture seeing this time of morning. That's why we should come every day. Once you're paying for it, we will. Shoo. They waved at the counter, staffed by the greater Boston area's unlimited supply of college students, and went on their way. Raphael knew at once that he would get along with Adam. He found that those adults raving about the laziness or ignorance of kids these days spent very little time with actual teenagers. This generation might have its electronic distractions and bizarre pop culture phenomena, true, but how was that so different from passing mash notes and Beatlemania? They had passion. They loved to communicate. They were ripe to learn that they could love reading and writing, that they probably already did. Adam Young asked for permission to take out multiple books on the very first day. Most students just got one and left their selection at the school, but Adam and Brian lingered at the end of the day to pore over Aziraphale's improvised classroom library. He had Brian in his third period class, but the boys met up there since they were going to walk home together most of the time. Is there a firm limit? asked Adam. There's a very firm limit, my dear boy, Aziraphale replied, opening his lending ledger. They'll be due back in a week. You can leave them here, of course, but if you take them home, take care they aren't damaged. Adam knelt down to check the lower shelf. He was browsing the graphic novels, just as Crowley had foretold. Oh, I'm definitely taking them home. I bet I can finish them all tonight. Brian shows a book of Ray Bradbury short stories, and Adam left with all manner of spaceships and swashbuckling. His backpack sagged with the weight. As the boys left and the classroom fell quiet, Aziraphale was hit by a powerful impulse to tell Crowley about the books. He shook his head at himself and locked up to go see the students off from the pickup zone. As if Crowley wouldn't know about the books himself in a few hours' time. As if his phone number were for social calls instead of medical emergencies. The staff meeting to coordinate Adam's care had been led by Adam himself. Crowley had largely looked on, reclining in his chair in a preposterous slouch that suggested he didn't actually need to circulate blood to his limbs. The man apparently had a slinky in place of a spine. Michael, the vice-principal, 
kept addressing her questions to Crowley, but he looked to his nephew to redirect the conversation every time, as if catching and tossing a frisbee. Adam was always ready for it. Only once did Crowley answer a question that went beyond emergency contacts and medical records. Mr. Newton, teaching intro to coding, had asked whether Crowley wanted to remove his sunglasses. Nope, he said, in the most conclusive tone imaginable. The whole encounter had done nothing to mitigate Aziraphale's problem with Crowley, in that the man was just as devastatingly attractive in sullen silence as in conversation. More than that, his choices were attractive. Perhaps not the snake symbol tattooed at his temple, though it seemed to fit the overall aesthetic and it was elegant as far as such things went. But Crowley's other choices, his words, his wit, his strategic silences, his protective streak, his parenting, all of these deepened Aziraphale's admiration for the man. There was also that rather memorable jawline. Anyway, that was lovely food for declining middle-aged thought no more, Aziraphale mused as he floated through the crowds of students in the bus lanes. He waved and nodded absently at the hordes of high schoolers. Assuming all went well, he wouldn't see Crowley again until their parent-teacher conference midway through October. And after that, not until spring. These were Aziraphale's exact thoughts as he rounded a laughing clique of gangly basketballers and nearly collided with the man himself. They both jumped like they'd been tasered. Crowley, he yelped. Oh, hi, shouted the other. Adam and Brian had a good laugh at them. Aziraphale redirected all his energy into commanding his expression. His full face tended to turn bright red and give him away. Perhaps he should take up wearing sunglasses too. Mr. I, I mean Crowley, I didn't expect to see you here at this hour. Yeah, I am here today. Crowley looked like he'd swallowed a frog. Mr. Fell let us check out books already, said Adam. I got three for the night. His uncle recovered himself. Does that mean two minutes peace so I can cook? Woohoo for that. Focusing on the boy seemed to steady Crowley. They grinned at each other. Oh, do you enjoy cooking? Aziraphale asked enthusiastically. Then he inwardly smacked his own knuckles with a metaphorical ruler. Do not ask personal questions of the gorgeous young man. I do, said Crowley, ducking his head awkwardly. Not that it matters to these fiends. They'll eat anything not nailed down. Might as well make gruel tonight. How very Dickensian of you, Aziraphale replied blithely, even as he fussed with his hands. 
Adam was watching the pair of them closely with an unsettling gaze. The boy was sharp. You should come over for dinner sometime, Mr. Fell, he said abruptly. Both men turned on him with an overlapping chorus of denials. Oh, no, 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 Adam, we don't just... I mean, much as I adore cruel, my dear boy, I couldn't possibly... Not really, uh, gonna be time in the next few weeks... Isn't quite the done thing to socialise, we can't have favouritism... Not to say we wouldn't want you to, Mr. Fells, just... So very kind to offer, thank you. The two boys looked back and forth between them, wide-eyed, as the protestations petered out into ahems on all sides. Okay, said Adam. Crowley put his hands on his hips and drew himself up sternly to muster the troops. Right. You, Adam, you, giant stickbug, with me. Gods, you've got tall, Brian. Who the fuck permitted that? Brian guffawed in the fragile new bass notes of fourteen as the trio turned to leave. After a few paces, Crowley twisted back over his shoulder just enough to give a nod and a hint of a wave. Aziraphale was left on the muggy September sidewalk with the distinct feeling that this would get worse before it got better. Friday night was grown-up night. Adam went over to Beezus, or if he was lucky, he joined Brian and Wensleydale in Pepper's basement for a sleepover involving very little sleep. Their posse of four had been inseparable for years now. Back when Adam was nine or ten, Crowley used Friday nights to go out on the town. He needed to blow off steam. He'd drink, tear things up, make trouble, troll the apps or the bars for uncomplicated connections. But it got boring, was the thing. Strange cars and bodies and other people's IKEA sofas got boring. Fancy fusion restaurants got boring. Hipster cocktail bars got boring. Movie theatres were boring. Hangovers were boring. Club music was incredibly boring. Dancing was getting harder to do with any sincerity or spontaneity. He couldn't just lose himself in it like he used to. It seemed self-consciousness had settled in to stay. Grown-up night. Frankly, Nothing interested him as much as hanging out with Adam and his friends. At fourteen, they were people. Fascinating, fun people, and he liked winding them up and listening to their wild ideas. Not only would they watch cartoons and classic movies with him, they'd argue about the characters for months and laugh at all his jokes. It was the only decent conversation he could rely on. The other parents were fine, though none of them knew quite what to do with Crowley. 
He was a good decade older than most of them, yet he was in the downtown condo stage of his life while they were renovating kitchens in the suburbs. Besides which, he had the accent, he had the tattoo, he was always sour about work, and he neither came as part of a cute matching set, nor provided any dating drama for their entertainment. They always expected him to entertain them for some reason. Group gatherings of the parents went all right, and small talk as they exchanged children was pleasant enough. But the few times he'd had a meal across from the Wensleydales, or whatever grown-up couple, he'd felt like an exotic bug pinned to a board. They studied him like a novelty, listened like they thought he was performing an old man black box play. So you're an older gay single parent from London and you're into motorcycles? That's fascinating. Tell us about your childhood. These New England NPR tote bag types might vote the right way, but they could be insufferable under the wrong conditions. Best not to cultivate those conditions. So, these days he did one of two things on Friday nights. He sat upstairs in his condo with Netflix and wine, or he went downstairs and three doors over to the dive bar he liked best, where he sat with Netflix on his phone and wine. The staff knew him, the regulars ignored him, and it was a low-brow enough place he was unlikely to get hit on by anybody interesting. Who had the energy? At first, he got hit on by uninteresting people, tipsy lady people, especially ones who liked bad boys with subtle face tattoos. It was torture. He'd learned that donning a fake wedding ring mostly put an end to that. Grown-up night. Trivia was on this Friday, a weekly affair that had just been bumped from Tuesdays by karaoke. Didn't bother him much. The teams of devotees huddled at their tables with a purpose that excluded him, and his Bluetooth earbuds blocked the noise. He claimed his cosy two-seater booth in the darkest corner and put his feet up on the padded bench opposite. With any luck, he and his pathetic excuse for wine could melt into the shadows, passing a peaceful night getting a moderate grown-up amount of plastered, two or three drinks, who could be bothered with a hangover, somewhere that wasn't his empty condo. Is that you, Crowley? Oh, him. Fuck. Crowley's whole body jolted, and he launched his very thin, very expensive phone like a coin toss. It was still happily piping David Attenborough narration into his headphones as it whirled in the air. In the great island of New Guinea, there are 42 different species of birds of paradise. He scrambled to catch it, and did but he sideswiped the wine, which flew across the table, and splattered the booth and the wall. Crowley struggled out of his seat to avoid a lap full of shitty Shiraz, and found himself face to face with Mr. Fell. 
the man had both hands over his mouth and very wide eyes indeed. Hi, Crowley flubbed. He yanked his earbuds out and stuffed them into a pocket. Oh, goodness gracious, I am so sorry. I didn't mean to startle you, exclaimed Mr. Fell. He looked genuinely mortified. Let me get you a new glass. No, it's barely drinkable anyways. Don't know why I bother. Just lucky it didn't get all over you. Crowley looked him up and down. This was the fourth time he'd seen the man, and his wardrobe seemed to be entirely whites, khakis, and eggshell colours. Living dangerously, that. Nonsense, my dear boy. What were you drinking? Or what would you rather be drinking? Crowley winced at the grandfatherly endearment, a subtle reminder that he was not someone other grown-ups took seriously. Just whatever, Red, if you insist. He snagged his jacket from the coat hook and prepared to relocate. Looks like a bloody murder scene over here. I'll get a bar towel. You uh, come here often? Nearly every Tuesday for some years, said Mr. Fell. Crowley's mouth fell open in mild shock. My friends have a team, and I suppose I'm on classic and literature detail. Friends, thought Crowley. Must be nice. They'd been regulars at the same bar for years, but Mr. Fell met actual friends there instead of hiding alone in a booth. Huh? I uh, hold down this corner most Fridays, said Crowley. How very odd. Mr. Fell smiled warmly. I live nearby, and I'm in on the weekends from time to time as well. We must have both been here at some point. Yeah, sounds likely. Crowley tugged on his jacket and shoved his hands in his pockets, feeling stubborn and a little lost, and wished he knew why. Maybe it was the sort of paternal librarian vibe the man gave off, every bit the English teacher. He couldn't decide whether he wanted their conversation to end immediately or continue all night, but either way, his ribs were too tight for his lungs and he felt like he might break something soon to disrupt all this politeness. Mr. Fell gave a funny half-bow and gestured towards the bar. After you, he said courteously. Was he a fucking time traveller? Method acting for a role in a BBC period piece? Was that seriously a vintage velveteen waistcoat? Mm, yeah, sure, thanks. Crowley led them towards the neon lights at the front, weaving snake-like between tables. The trivia host started yelling at the room, holding the microphone too close so that he sounded like Peanut's parents. The gist of the announcement seemed to be five minutes until things. Oh, said Mr. Fell. 
You should join our team tonight. I think we allowed one more. Mm, I'm good alone, thanks, roared Crowley. Really, you'd be most welcome. Crowley frowned. Uh, not much of a joiner, actually. Shocker, I know. Mr. Fell shook his head at himself, clearly embarrassed by his own enthusiasm. I admit I'm unsurprised, but I couldn't help asking. Do forgive me. I suppose I'm rather an includer. No worries. I'm useless at trivia anyway. And teams. Makes it not my sport, probably. Do you have a sport, then? Now or back in the day? Crowley hissed through his teeth. This was the oddest small talk, almost like Fell was interested or something. I'm better with biting commentary, really, he flashed a grin. Those who can't do, criticize. That earned him a hearty laugh and a change of subject. Finally. How's Adam adjusting to high school? asked Mr. Fell. He's good, really good. Crowley slunk up to the rail and waved at Eric, the barkeep. He's on a sleepover tonight, likely high on sugar and playing video games about now. I hear he's plundering your library. He is. It's simply wonderful. Mr. Fell had a brilliant smile, and Crowley wished for darker sunglasses. The teacher practically glowed white among the dingy black barstools. He'll be through all of my graphic novels by next week, I think, but I believe he can be steered into speculative fiction and then maybe some adventurous non-fiction. Yeah, when he comes home, he throws all his crap on the floor and sits down right on the carpet till he's read whatever's in his bag for the day. Makes me read some of them, too. Oh, really? Have you enjoyed any of it? He twisted up his mouth and tried to think. Guess I like that ghost girl one, with the vinyl at the murders. Anya's Ghost, by Vera Brosco. Eisner Award winner, I think. The English teacher lit up even more, if possible, nearly bouncing. Do you know, she's just written another delightful book, a picture book you might particularly enjoy it. It's called Leave Me Alone. Crowley stared at him, open mouth. Oh! Mr. Feld's smile crumpled like crepe paper. I realize that that may have sounded, well, pointed, which is not at all how I meant. I just, it's rather a lovely treatise on, on, on boundaries and the virtues of, of... Right. Mr. Fell was babbling now, going pale. It's a wonderful book. I wish it had existed when I was young. It... Oh dear, I'm so sorry I didn't... But if you ever read it, you'll see what I mean. It's affirmative of, um, introverts and I'm... Anyway, I'll just be... 
Crowley couldn't help but smirk and slouched deeper against the bar rail. The poor teacher was beside himself, adorably flustered. The ridiculous tartan bowtie really completed the look. They were rescued by Eric, who arrived with their regular orders already in hand. Crowley started to speak, but Mr. Fell beat him to it. Thank you kindly, Eric. Put his on my tap, if you would. So the English teacher knew the staff by name. And they knew to pour him a house-brown ale without asking, just as they knew to pour Crowley a house-red with a heavy hand. And Mr. Fell still looked like he wanted to crawl into a hole and die of embarrassment, so a change of subject was in order. Your team, uh, win often? asked Crowley. Mr. Fell exhaled with the relief of a drowning man thrown a lifeline. Rarely, I'm afraid. But we enjoy arguing amongst ourselves, which is most of what Trivia Night actually entails. Well, best of luck arguing, he offered. Cheers. They clinked glasses and drank. I should uh, get back before they start, said Mr. Fell looking anxiously towards the stage. I hope I haven't hijacked your evening. I just wanted to say hello and... Yes, I'll leave you in peace and see you... Um, sometime. Well, there's conferences next week, Crowley said with a shrug. Is it nearly October already? My, how quickly it goes. It does that. Anyway, it was a true delight to see you, Crowley. And Aziraphale smiled sincerely again at last. That was his name, wasn't it? Aziraphale? A little Old Testament-ish, but it had refused to leave Crowley's mind since that first meeting. Like the man himself. Ah. A warning flare sparked somewhere inside him. The smile was so bright, his eyes were so warm, his face was so open, and Crowley realized he'd better smash this thing, whatever it was. Before it could hurt him, he knew the score. Best to settle up early, put a fork in it, walk away. Delighted to see me. <laughs> you don't even know me, he rejoined, laughing with a hint of shade. Aziraphale persisted with the smile. I can be delighted nonetheless, can't I? You wouldn't like me, said Crowley, allowing a grin of his own and a raised eyebrow, going just a bit wicked. Wouldn't I? I work for Dunlevy Corp. And there it was. Bullseye. That was the falling expression of someone who understood what Crowley was. Everyone in education knew Dunlevy. How? Oh, said Aziraphale softly. Well. 
Crowley suddenly wanted to take it back, wanted to undo whatever he'd just done to the English teacher's face. It wasn't mere disapproval of him as a person. He was used to that. But the man looked straight up sad. It was like he'd kicked a kid's sandcastle. I mean, I... He stammered. For, for the record, I hate it, but there it is. Well, Aziraphale said again. And he donned a new smile, a different one, a little thin, like he was trying too hard. Crowley hated it. I'm sure I can still find you delightful to see. I mean, be delighted to see you. And Adam will be getting personally acquainted with the fruits of your labour when we start our standardised testing next month. Mm, yeah, that. Have a pleasant evening, Mr Crowley. Mr Fell nodded politely and left. The trivia host was squawking again and the room buzzed with rustling papers and pre-game chatter. Crowley sighed. It's just Crowley, he said, too late to be heard. No one is delighted to see me. No one but Adam. Don't you start. Eric was giving him a quizzical look. Crowley shrugged. That was a thing, he told the bartender. You got a wet bar towel? Spilt my last drink over yonder. He put his earbuds back in so that nobody else would bother him and watched the crowd through dark glasses. Up front sat Mr. Fell with a table of friends. Was that Mistress Device, the art teacher? They huddled close, talking low and laughing, warm and connected. They were in the circle. He was out. And he wasn't joining. He wouldn't be welcome anyhow, now that they knew. Fuck, he hated work. The phone was in Crowley's hand before he registered reaching for it. He scrolled through the news, headlines blurring before his eyes, and then swiped over to his text messages to type. Today, 2037. Hey, Lil, wondering what you're up to? Today, 2038. Me, I'm just torpedoing chances at adult human connection. You'd be proud. Your favorite also. Sauntering vaguely downward. See you this weekend. Two minutes later, Crowley abandoned his wine glass on the bar, untouched. He wiped down the sticky booth, threw the towel in the bus tub, and left by the alley exit. He had better wine to drink at home anyway. The trivia team came in third, which won them nothing but high fives all around. Raphael was not good at high fives, but he soldiered through it gamely. 
his colleague Anathema, the art teacher, had a good laugh at his expense. There were hugs across the table and good wishes for the weekend, and that was that. All night he'd forced himself to keep his eyes on his own work, so to speak, but as the team dispersed, he found himself instinctively searching the room, just in case Crowley was still there. He wasn't. The late-night drinking crowd was filtering in, dressed differently, half-sourced, and the music was shifting from rock and pop to the thumpy sort of stuff that made Aziraphale feel old. He donned his coat and started the half-mile walk home. Above the symphony of street noises, his bespoke monologue of worry picked up, too persistent to ignore. Good lord, what had he been thinking? At least he seemed to be rounding a corner of some kind. He'd been chastising himself for idly lusting after the younger man since August. Now he had a whole new reason to chide himself, having been such a nuisance for poor Crowley. At least it would be easier to avoid him from now on. He knew that parents, well, guardians in this case, were more or less socially off-limits. But upon seeing those sunglasses across the bar, he'd made a reckless beeline nonetheless. And what did he have to show for it? He'd thoroughly disrupted the man's evening, maybe even chased him out of the pub. Crowley had been visibly uncomfortable talking with a stodgy teacher. I'm good alone, thanks, not a joiner. You wouldn't like me. Could he have asked for space any more clearly? All the man had come for was a quiet night at his regular booth, but he'd been splashed on, dragged away from his repose, and bought a drink that he'd tried to refuse. After which he'd been interrogated, pressed to play some group game with argumentative strangers, and then it was suggested he must fit neatly into a narrative of loneliness. What a horrible thing to say to someone. Aziraphale should know. Aside from trivia night, he kept himself to himself. There was nobody to whom he needed to say, leave me alone. Crowley was wearing a ring, for goodness sake. Even if he weren't, he could have his pick of the scene. He likely had a stable of fabulous young friends. If anyone exemplified loneliness, it wasn't... Oh, well. At least this new wave of self-flagellation had to do with Crowley's personality instead of his devastating good looks. Was that a step? Maybe it was a step. Hopefully a step away from this pointless preoccupation. If cold water doused this fantasy, it was for the best. Aziraphale knew what he was, how he looked, how he came across, how the years were slipping by him. He knew fraternizing with parents wasn't allowed. 
a dull pain took root in his chest as he berated himself and resolved to do better. No more bothering Crowley. The insomnia would be a real battle tonight. He'd better start a new book.